Welcome to the PIP Permaculture Podcast number 20. Today we're talking about slow clothing and ethical fashion with Jane Milburn, a sustainability consultant and slow clothing advocate. In this episode, we explore what is slow clothing and why we need to start thinking more about the way we dress ourselves. This podcast is sponsored by ecoyarns.com.au, Australia's socially responsible yarn and fibre store. So welcome, Jane, and thanks for having a chat with us today. You're welcome. So what does slow clothing mean exactly? Well, um, it's, it's interesting to think about it, isn't it? Um, mm. Clothing is essential to how we feel. We eat and we dress every day. So... For me, I, I guess I saw it in a bit of a philosophical um, context. Mm. It's about how we buy, wear and care for clothes so that they bring meaning, value and joy to every day. A lot of what we think about what we wear is in a fashion context, mm. whereas yes. this is actually about our health and well-being, you know, how we can choose and invest and care for clothes so they're meaningful to us as individuals. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it in the magazine before and it's quite it's becoming quite popular in the media, the idea of ethical fashion and ethical clothing. How does slow clothing compare with that? And is, is it a different thing or is it...? Look, I think it's all part of the same awareness um, I um, have always made um, some of my own clothes. I've got an ag science degree. I've always loved natural fibres mm-hmm. and I've always dressed what I would consider differently, you know. I don't follow fashion. I don't feel I need to look a certain way. Um, yeah. I own my own look and therefore I've never indulged in fast fashion or buying and buying and tossing and I think what has happened is um, the ethical awareness has arisen particularly post the Rana Plaza factory collapse in 2013 when we actually had a window onto where our clothing is largely coming from Mm. and so I think since then we've had the real rise of um ethical fashion where where we kind of want you know where we're aware of the exploitation and waste of some of the current practices um I, I guess i started my personal journey um you know based on a lifetime of making my own and loving natural fibers but in 2011 i noticed fashion excess mm-hmm. and i kind of felt, you know, like we need to step up on this. And it was through doing some leadership study, uh, a post a postgraduate qualification, that I realised that, you know, I, I was uniquely um, in a position to talk about a different way. Mm. And that is how I guess I evolved my own philosophy, which, you know, other people term a different thing, but... To me, it's about clothing um, because when I thought about fashion, by definition, fashion is ever-changing and that is the problem. Mm. Um, or I, I felt I couldn't really talk about fashion. To me, it was about clothing because we have food and we have clothing and 
I guess the slow to me evolved as a response to what we what we now term fast fashion, where you know you've got quick changing trends. You know you might only wear things a few times and then you move on. So mm-hmm. to me, it was it was slow clothing as the antidote to fast fashion. Mm. So that's sort of where I have evolved to. But there's lots of different ways of referring to what is much the same thing. So if you want to talk about ethical fashion, I'm okay with that too. Mm. Yeah, well, it's 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 really about looking at where it's coming from and what it, what impact that it's having. So, I mean, when we talk about fast fashion, I mean, it was with the war on waste uh, episode that looked at it, it was quite startling to actually see into what how some people are treating clothing in the, the sense that they're buying something, wearing it once, throwing it away. I mean... Yeah, do you think, are there many people that are actually doing that, do you think? Well, uh, there must be. When you look at what's happening with the volume of clothes that's being sold and the um, the volume that's being donated and mm. and then the raw data, which I, um, you know, did, did a bit of a summation, um, it seemed to me that we're, we're kind of throwing away 23 kilos per person of textiles and leather per year. That's what the ABS says. Yeah, right. That is more than just clothing. That it, that also probably includes carpets and, you know, bed linen and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But it's still quite a large figure. And yeah. the other piece of data that I was able to dig out from – the web and that's the only source that I have been able to find I see a lot of other people quoting it now so that either legitimizes it or spreads fake news depending (laughs) on how you look at it but you know there is a figure that suggests that Australia is the second largest consumer of apparel fiber Mm. which is clothing fiber in the world after North America Um, we consume 27 kilos of clothing fibre per year. North America is 37 Mm. and then after us there is um, the UK on on 22 kilos per person per year. So we're quite a large consumer and 90% of the clothing consumed here is made overseas. So mostly in these factory situations and extraordinarily, disturbingly cheap. You know, mm. there's no word for it. It is cheap. And that means that really the true price is not being paid for things. No. Uh, and uh, I guess this is why I feel it's quite important for us to get more hands-on with our own clothes so that we understand a little bit about what's involved and we realise that, you know, you should be paying more for for clothes and yeah. valuing more in a real world situation where we've got climate change happening and this waste is just totally unconscionable. Mm. Yeah, and a five dollar t shirt just doesn't add up. I mean the cotton has to be grown, it has to be picked, it has to be washed, it has to be woven, it has to be made into fabric, shipped, packaged, and then the shop selling it has to make a profit as well so it just doesn't add up does it no it doesn't and that's why it's really it's it's so important that we um you know 
we think we think more about it and make mm. ethical choices and pay more for good quality mm. and support local small makers in Australia. And there's quite a lot bobbing up there. Now. Are, yeah. Um, and I mean that's fabulous. And mm. the other big change that um, I identified through my you know my action research is how I refer to it because. I've been doing this full time since 2013 and to see that and I came at it from my ag background where, okay, so cotton is, is um, declining in terms of the percentage. So what what's increasing? And mm. that turns out to be polyester and the synthetic fibres that are derived from petroleum mm. and um, and. Uh, as Dr. Mark Brown, the ecologist, uh, identified, um, and I found this his research in uh, 2014, but it was actually done in 2011, where um, the synthetic fibre clothes, which are two-thirds of clothing, are actually shedding microplastic into the ecosystem. So, you know, this is really disturbing when you stop to think about it, that... Mm. We, most of our clothes are a, a form of plastic. Mm. Um, and I, you never heard the fashion industry talking about that. So no. it had to be exposed and understood. And now I see a lot more emphasis on natural fibres as being the way to go. And, of course, we can't just keep producing more of that because of the competition with the needed farmland and water and all these resources that go into it. So this is where the rise of the resale market and the idea of um, wearing your own clothes for longer, fixing them up to keep them going, and then, you know, for special occasion items or, you know, like renting or choosing secondhand. Mm. Like these are ethical ways to behave and... I think they may not uh, fit the consumerist mentality and and the the you know forever growing GDP, um, but we've got to get realistic. And I, I'm I'm kind of even though it's disturbing the whole climate change hitting us in the face much more with um, David Attenborough and the walruses falling into the water because the ice is melting. Mm. And um, and I know where I live, we had five months of really hot weather over summer and it becomes it becomes a bit scary because yeah. I live in a Queenslander, we don't have air conditioning, so you feel it every day. Like yeah. if you control your environment and use air conditioning, which of course uses electricity, which is of course is not being aware of the problem. Um, but, you know, we need to change our behaviour and so... It's kind of great to see this awareness rising because yeah. there are actually some quite simple actions that people can take that really don't cost you anything. Mm. So what, what are some of those simple actions that people can take? Well, I, I think the first one is thinking more. Um, back in 2015, I developed what I call the Slow Clothing Manifesto, which is 10 ways to thrive in a material world. And it starts with thinking more um, about what you're buying and it's that awareness about the, you know, the $5 T-shirt is is mm. not appropriate. It's choosing natural fibres wherever you can and limiting the use of synthetics to sort of special use things. It's also focusing on quality, not in an elitist way, 
but in the idea that you would have something and make it last. Um, and I, I actually find that clothes don't wear out very much if you've got good quality fibres and you mm. look up them. So buying once well is a really good strategy and and you just have to think back to what, you know, what how it used to be and, you know, in the old, you know, just think about what grandma would do. You know, that's what mm. Michael says you know in defense of food you know don't eat food your grandma wouldn't recognize well you know think about you know buying in the way that grandma would um, is a really good way to go Mm. it's also supporting local makers and even knowing the person who made your clothes we've just had fashion revolution in Brisbane and the first day we had a lot of local makers you know people that can make a bespoke item for you that where you can choose the fabric and the style and mm. have it made and you might pay a bit more for that but you value it more and yeah. it's got meaning to you it's not just the latest thing that you could buy at the shop and it's going to fit you perfectly it's going to be good quality material made well and, and you won't have to buy good. another one for a long and it'll time feel you know it's about the emotion in the clothes as well mm. you feel attachment to it and a connection to it yeah and and you, you don't need much. You know, when you think about it, there's 365 days in the year and yet we have um, doubled or quadrupled the amount of clothes on average that are churning through the system. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, there's still same same need. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of waste going on and as individuals we can take charge of, you know, our responsibility for our own footprint. Mm. And then it's caring for clothes really well too. Um, one of the big problems, the complaints you hear about these, you know, cheap T-shirts and that, that they all just go askew as soon as you've washed them once. So um, it's actually about learning how to care for your clothes well and, and using washing by hand a lot, maybe not washing as often. Mm. Uh, obviously in hot weather it's a different scenario but you know, really, it's not washing until it looks dirty or it smells. I mean, they're the and, criteria, aren't they? Yeah, and natural fibres tend to not smell. You can wear a, like a nice woolen thermal for days and it doesn't smell oh, at all, whereas you wear a synthetic right. one and it stinks within a few hours sometimes. And there's actually some research done around that. There was um, a gym experiment. This is one of the things I uncovered in 2014 when I did my sew it again year yeah i found research with cotton and cotton poly t-shirts and um gym you know exposure in the gym and they found that the cotton poly actually bred and harbored the bacteria much more than cotton Mm. so you know there's evidence of that and certainly with wool like next to skin uh, over time you do have to wash it but think about all those external garments or garments that we can wear loosely and just wash the under t-shirt you know like those items but you know have 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 garments that lend themselves to less washing and that is about the fibers it's also just about airing them on the clothesline sponging whenever you spill something on it or just wash portions of the garments I Mm. mean have to confess that I just actually washed the underarms of this dress um, that I had 
And, you know, I've hung it out on the line and I'm sure it's good to go for at least another few wears. So it's actually about just thinking about common sense ways and practical ways we can do it differently, whereas we're kind of intimidated into thinking, oh, we've got to be clean and fresh and, Mm. you know, stuff. And also about the appearances. Um, Yeah, and also mending clothes. Ah, yes. Well, this is another part of the, you know, we're getting to the action part of the slow clothing manifesto now. Um, It is about, I mean, mending is definitely there in terms of caring, but I think it's also thinking about a return to making at some level, making simple garments, which everybody says, oh, I can't sew. Mm. And there is at least a generation or two who miss sewing. And this is what I've realised that, I have always sewn, but a lot of people don't, and particularly there's a lot of young women coming back to it, but there's a generation who actually don't want to own up to the fact that they don't know how to sew. Yeah. And um, and yet sewing is just learning by doing, you know. You don't have to be perfect, and no. you can do an awful lot just with a needle and thread, certainly in the mending um, area and there's there's now we're celebrating the visible mending as well so mm. it doesn't have to be neat it's actually you wear it as a a badge of sustainability that you've mended something or put a patch on it mm. and you know you definitely improve over time from um, doing these things yeah, because yeah. I hadn't actually done a whole lot of hand sewing um, apart from hemming of garments I would have made I, I, until the last few years. And now I've started, I've made a few garments from scratch, like just simple things using hand sewing. Um, so I, I just think I'd just love everyone to kind of think, well, I can do something. Mm. If it's just sewing on that button um, or, you know, often the seam might pop or something starts to unravel you know that old expression a stitch in time saves night is a fantastic thing and then you know so there is that mending and making if you want to or aligning with a dressmaker and getting your own things made if you if you don't actually want to be hands-on but there's actually a lot of reward in making for yourself as well you know that whole DIY culture and the hands, head and heart. So I think there's a whole lot more to the story than meets the eye in terms of sewing for yourself. But another thing you can do is just um, eco-dyeing, you know, using Mm. natural dyes, you know, leaves, bark, even dirt's a great one in itself um, to put um, colour change on things. Um, natural indigo is lovely. The synthetic indigo is a bit, it's a bit toxic, um, but it, it, it's also effective. But it, there's actually ways that you can recreate garments and that's, you know, that's called refashion or upcycling when you take it to another level. But one of the big growth areas is in, um, in resale of clothes. Like this is projected to, um, you know, be a really significant movement. There's a lot of stigma attached with wearing secondhand clothes, but I think now we realise it's an effective strategy um, for dealing with um, the volume of clothes. And maybe we like to have variety so we can change things up by by buying um, other clothes. And really it is 
it's the go-to if you mm. want to reduce footprint. You just wear what you've got and shop secondhand, shop other people's wardrobes. I mean, then, I've got a few friends that are always giving me stuff, you know, my sister good. gives me stuff and, you know, so really there's um, I think when you um, embrace that, it's, it, you know, it, it, it's no biggie, you know, this whole idea that, oh, I don't wear secondhand clothes. I mean, no, no. get over it. Yeah, because often know. the clothes have been worn just a few times and then you're just not wearing them, so they're still in good condition. And the yes. other great thing that you can do is have a clothes swap. We've looked at Ooh, that in yes. the magazine before. Yes, they're great. Get together with your friends and bring all the clothes that you're not wearing anymore and swap them and mm. you walk away with these brand-new outfits that you love that someone else has just lost interest in and yes. everyone's and, happy. I mean, the closer we can do that within our communities and our, you know, within the known, the circular wardrobe idea is... I mean, they're all fabulous things that I think we're suddenly embracing, yet really that wasn't talked much, uh, much you know, even five, six years ago. Mm. Um, and the other thing is salvaging um, the resources and repurposing them for another life. Um, that's a great thing, particularly if, if um, garments get marked or, um, you know, they go completely out of style so that no one wants them. I mean, this idea of reusing, um, it's not new. but no, no. So what are you talking about? What sort of examples? Oh, well, using um, garments to, to weave, you know, to make mm. floors or garments, you know, even new garments, bags, um, um, and, and putting in the compost as well. Um, yeah. you, you can... If you spread it around a bit, I did a, a personal experiment in my backyard last year where I buried um, uh, swatches of synthetic fibres okay. and natural fibres and I left them there for a whole year because I, I didn't quite realise that um, the natural fibres were going to disappear completely. I yeah. mean, this is fairly infertile soil under the mango tree uh, my husband watered, you know, a couple of times a month just to keep the microbes working and everything. And mm. almost all of the natural fibres completely disappeared in that time. So mm. they've they've gone back into, you know, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen. And, you know, in the case of the wool, there's been nitrogen. So, you know, they've, they've actually this whole soil-to-soil -soil, um, concept with natural fibres is – it is achievable. So, um, you know, I think I think thinking about the idea that we, just as we recycling our food waste back in our compost and backyard, I mean, there's scope to, if we have natural fibres, if we use them to, you know, to be able to recycle locally, which is really what we've got to do to yeah. alleviate the whole big transport problem of and the, the mountains of clothes that at the moment at least half of our cast-offs from Australia are going into the global second-hand trade. Okay. They're, not, they're not sold. I mean, sorry, they're not donated. They're actually sold for a dollar a kilo. Mm -hmm. And from Australia, I understand they're going to the UAE, Pakistan and Malaysia. And they may or may not be useful there. Um, obviously a lot of them are going to be the synthetic fibre clothing that we don't want here. And so really we're exporting 
our waste in that way. Yeah. And there's uh, an academic in the UK has written a book about that called Clothing Poverty, and he's basically saying this is an unsustainable model, so we've got to work out closer to home how we can reuse some of these things. But one of the limiting factors is that a lot of the threads that are used to make garments, even natural fibre garments, a lot of them are synthetic um, thread. Mm. So I, I know I was talking to someone who'd chopped up their garment and put it into the worm farm and, you know, all, in the end all that was left was the, the threads that she could yeah. hoik out um, because they're um, obviously polyester, synthetic, not, not going to break down, which says a lot about, you know, how we are potentially polluting our environment with these plastics, mm. um, microplastics, uh, that we don't know the impact on our health of that yet. That research is only just beginning. Mm. And we do need to look at, um, I mean, there's been this big decluttering fad lately and op shops apparently are just getting overwhelmed with all the clothes that everyone's deciding to throw out and or to take to the op shop and often they're poor quality and they don't want to sell them mm. or they just have too many. So it's about taking responsibility for our own waste rather than sort of going, oh, well, I've given it to the op shop, that's okay, someone will use it. Yes, here. as if somehow that sanitises the ongoing purchasing. Yeah. Um, yes, I mean... I. It's it's a really it's it's a huge ethical dilemma about the way that we live, and mm. it, it doesn't just apply to our clothing. Um, the whole homewares market, and oh, we want a different look, so out goes everything else. You know, mm. we're bringing in the new, but you know, I I mean, I don't want to sound too preachy about it, but it does come back to us as individuals just deciding, well, there is no perfect world, you know, like you're sure you can go out and buy new and liven yourself up in that way. But really, it's just going to be old shortly too. Yeah. You know, there's, there's something better to buy. Um, whereas, as you say, like taking ownership on managing our own, the volume of stuff. I, I must say I've just been a lot more careful before I buy anything. Yeah. You know? doing research a lot more, thinking about how many wares it's going to have or how long it's going to stay in my wardrobe. And even with books, you know, if I can borrow them from the library, well, that's my first port of call. The only reason I buy books now is because they may not be available in the library or I particularly want to have them in my collection because, you know, like you just, yep. we just, we're burdened by all this stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. And, I mean, we, we're quite well-versed when it comes to thinking about all of these things in the context of food and growing food and not wasting. And, yeah, I think we're only just kind of stepping on board with the clothing side of things, aren't we? So slow food that's been around for years, but slow clothing is more of a recent concept to come become popular. Yeah, it's integral, you know, it's mm. integral to how we feel and um you know and it's next to skin and um all of those factors but see there's this emotional attachment to fashion that glorifies certain looks and there's status attached to brands that we might have mm, yeah i think it's actually comes back to us 
presenting how we want to look, you know, rather than thinking that we've got to look a certain way. Yeah. You know, how do I want to look and present? And, and you know, there are stylists who can help you with your own look, but you need to be careful they're not trying to sell you, you know, mm. some particular line. So it, it is actually about self-sufficiency and thinking, getting confident in how you want to present yourself and um, yeah. and, and knowing, knowing that. Like we're pretty vulnerable, aren't we, to marketing. Mm. And to be confident with your own style and be happy to stand out as an individual. Yeah, well, I guess, yes. I mean, to me, why wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah. And and I think um, I think it is arising that we want to um, be more individualistic rather than follow the herd um, yeah. too much. And that's another reason to be able to be resourceful and reinvent what you've got or, you know, or create something that, is uniquely your own and in your own style. Mm. So for people that have never sewn a button on and don't know how to sew up a hem or do anything like that, what are some of the ways that people might be able to learn some of these skills or get involved with doing those things? Oh, just um, hang about with somebody who can. Like it's not just know that it's not complicated. Mm. Don't be frightened of it and just start. Yeah. Um, you you know, you need to just, you only need a few little tools. You just need needle and a few threads, which, you know, are quite affordable. Um, and you've probably got a relative that might be happy to show you how to do things or a friend or find a group. Um there's a huge amount of um, tutorials online now, yeah. lots of resources. I know um, in our library network here there's lots of books to read. So I think just know it's just one of those things you just start and it's like um, baking and cooking, you know, where you've sort of if you can read a recipe and, and cook something that pretty much approximates what it's meant to look like, mm just apply that in the making of a garment if you want to or just in terms of mending. Um, I'm sure that almost all of us have got something that needs a, a stitch put into it. So it's just learning the basics of how to tie a knot, which, yeah. you know, everyone can do, and any knot's a good knot, yeah. and just doing a few stitches. So it's just starting. And if you do want to learn to use a sewing machine, then you only need a very simple one. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you can get sold one that does all these fancy stitches and stuff, but really you just need to have plain stitching and zigzag and you can do an awful lot with that. And and the older machines are the best ones. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, uh, you just need to find a tinkerer who might do a service for you because if you try and pay someone to do that, um, you might be paying as much as you could buy a new machine on special for so mm. you know it's, it's aligning with this self-sufficient which, which I'm sure you know a, a, a lot of um, people in your audience would be very self-sufficient anyway yeah. so it's just really about it's just about starting and giving it a go and know that there's no such thing as perfectionist no you know the perfect the perfect world 
the perfect garment, the perfect mending. It doesn't exist. And and we celebrate progress. Yeah. And you mentioned groups. Like there's also a lot of um, groups and workshops around the place. If you kind of look in your local area, there might be a workshop um, or a group that meets regularly. I know in our area there's a felters group and there's knitting and also starting your own one. We um, used to do that with a group of us and we'd get together once a month and go to each other's house and you know work on our little projects that we were doing and you can kind of help each other and get inspired by each other and have a good time have a bit of a night out at the same time yeah great for conversation uh when you're working with your hands because you're focused and mindful on what you're doing so you know you can have some really good conversations yeah the thing is the boomerang bag groups yeah a lot of them now so that's definitely a way that you can learn to you know observe people who sew and then probably not that they teach per se but um you know certainly as part of that process you would be learning to sew um and um the there's a, a gorgeous project called um blue jean sisters that um we've of recently, uh, it's Belinda Smith um, from down at Mullumbimby. She has been doing this, and it's for an installation making up to two thousand dolls um, out of old denim. Um, and you know, I was uh, helping. I've helped at about five workshops that she's run, and there was a job for everyone. You know, yeah. even if it's just snipping up. You know, for the stuffing of these little dolls. So. It's actually just finding um, hands-on groups and we have had that whole awareness around food and I, I just think the clothing is sitting there right next to it, ready to go and and it is just about diving into it and and seeking out older people. You'll find, you know, like the old, you know, back in the day there just wasn't a thing um, no. that you... You could, you know, it was very special to buy anything. So most people knew how to sew, and those people are still around. Mm. It's just um, tapping. And they're probably into more than happy to share their their knowledge with you. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah, if all else fails, YouTube. <laughs> you yeah, can learn anything with, on YouTube. Um, or yeah, um, and even just learning by doing. Um, yeah. And, Coming up with your own style of making things, um, and I, I notice um, li- well, libraries are really diversifying in this area as well. So you can go to your local library and ask them, you know, as part of their creative sustainability program, you know, can they put on, can they organise a workshop where it's, you know, mending, you know, mending is really great entry level. And I'm sure if they haven't done it already, they they would be doing it. So mm. I think it's just, um, you know, we ask and then we can receive. And yeah. there's lots of people um, who who are in a position to facilitate that workshop. And, I mean, my book, Slow Clothing, is available in a lot of workshop, uh, a lot of libraries as well. And um, Could you I've tell us a bit about your book, Slow Clothing? Yeah, well, I guess because I'd done a lot of blogging, I ended up um, pulling all that together into a narrative um, 
the subtitle is Finding Meaning in What We Wear and um, I actually collaborated with an artist who did drawings about how to sew on a button and how to thread the needle and, um, you know, how to do decorative stitches. There's some of the hands-on things. It's also got... um, stories about people who are choosing to dress in a different way about you know what what the benefits of being creative are um Mm. so it's it's kind of like it's it's a bit of a potted version of a few different ideas to get you going um and I, i i was very fortunate like costa georgiadis launched it for me in melbourne I had Craig Rucastle from War on Waste mm. launch it in Sydney and Richard Dennis launched it in uh, – he's the author of um, Curing Affluenza. He launched it in Canberra and I had um, a journalist, Rebecca Levingston, in Brisbane and some teachers in Perth. Oh, and, and in in Tasmania I had a wool producer launch it. So, you know, uh, there's right. all these different elements that come together into this narrative so i mean that ask at your library for slow clothing um i prefer it to be in libraries it's available from my website uh, textilebeat.com but you know don't feel you need to buy it because i think borrowing and sharing those resources is the way to go and i've also distilled the diagrams um into a little zine called the process of mending which mm, is really is about how and how and why you would do it you know yeah. so to me stitching and sewing are life skills just like sewing just like cooking and baking um and it, it's integrating it into your life and understanding that you know whatever you're outsourcing that there's the potential for exploitation and when you when you do it yourself you know what's involved and you're more ready to pay someone a reasonable amount of money to make something for you if you do mm-hmm. want to continue to outsource when you know what time it takes for you to do it yourself and to get it yeah to because it. until you've made wow. something yourself you just can't appreciate the resources time and the skills that go into clothes that you buy mm. And the other thing, in the rush to own things for status and looks, you lose the opportunity to be mindful and resourceful through the acts of making and mending yourself. So there's lots of good reasons to broaden your thinking and, um, and you know, expand your behaviour to be, I guess, more realistic about the way that we live instead of, you know, compartmentalised and thinking, well, we just buy what we need. Yeah. Because this has led us down this path of waste and exploitation. Mm. So there's so many great things that we can be doing that we've talked about today. So thanks for sharing all of your perspective and your experience with that. And hopefully uh, our our listeners get some burst of inspiration to give it a go themselves oh that's great thanks for your interest robin it's been lovely to talk about it to read more about ethical clothing pick up a copy of issue 13 of pip magazine for more great content go to our website at pipmagazine.com.au this podcast was sponsored by ecoyarns.com.au
Australia's socially responsible yarn and fibre store.